Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, it says, Let the love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves are also in the body. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled, for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. In many cases, when people read these verses or speak on these verses, what they normally think of is the last phrase here where it says, God will judge. This is found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, where it says, For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And in context with the other admonitions that he gives here, it's easy to say that if you fail to show hospitality to strangers, then God may also judge you. Or if you fail to remember those who are in prison or those who are ill-treated in other ways, then God may pass judgment against you. And so people will normally take the approach of looking at this and saying, this is now an opportunity for you to either be judged by God or to avoid the judgment of God. You will be judged by God if you fail to consider these things and observe these things, but also you can avoid the judgment of God in your life if you ensure that you find a way to accomplish these things, of course, to the satisfaction of whatever this would be measured by. I suppose you could just look at other people, other Christians, and say that if you are doing more than they are, then if any judgment was to be levied, it would be levied against them and not against you, and so you should be okay in that sense. That's how a lot of people view it, how they determine whether or not they are observing these admonitions satisfactorily or not. But this is the approach that a lot of people take, and when they do take this approach, there, of course, is a lot of opportunity for condemnation, a lot of opportunity for condemnation. Of course, you can anticipate that people will feel condemned if they're struggling with issues such as adultery or fornication, certainly, but what about the condemnation that a person may feel if they are not showing enough hospitality to strangers. People may look at this and think to themselves, you know, I don't know that I am doing this adequately enough, and so perhaps God is going to judge me, especially if some of them may have been angels, or if some who may approach me in the future are angels, and I fail to show hospitality to them in whatever way I can, then perhaps in the future God may judge me. And some people may conjure up in their mind a vision of going before God when they die and when they go before the Lord in order to determine whether or not he's going to allow them to enter into his kingdom. It just so happens that he's got a lineup of a few people who are angels who he had sent to you in the course of your life. These people were sent to you and you rejected them or you failed to show enough hospitality to them. And so while he's making an assessment, he might ask you something like, so by the way, do you do you recognize these people over here by chance? 
Do you recognize any of these? You know, it just so happens that I sent these folks out to you in order to test you, in order to test your faith. And I don't think you did very well. And so because of that, people may feel that their God is going to judge them because of this image that they conjure up in their mind or this perspective that they may conjure up in their mind, making the assumption that God is going to judge them for their failures. This, of course, can lead to a lot of condemnation, and there are people who certainly struggle with this. When it comes to prisoners as well, if you fail to remember or to assist those who are in prison or those who are in similar circumstances, they may not be in prison for their crimes, but they may be disabled perhaps in some way, then it's easy to feel condemned because of your failure to reach out to these people, of course, in a greater way than other people are. That's how a lot of people look at this and how a lot of people look at themselves concerning this and why there are many people who do feel a great sense of condemnation. Now, this is not only very difficult for those who would be struggling in this way. It's not going to be difficult just for them, but it will also be potentially difficult for those who do have a need for hospitality, for those who are in prison, for those who are being ill-treated in other ways, in other respects. It may be difficult for them, and I have encountered this, that there are people who really struggle with the lack of hospitality, who struggle with the lack of attention. This is a real struggle, not just for those people who you would hope would engage in these things and do these things, but also for those who would be the recipients of these things. For example, if there's somebody who is in need of some hospitality, they may have the need for a place to stay or they may have a need for something to eat or just to have a break from the struggles of life, things like that, and others are not providing that for them, well, then this is an opportunity for them to pass judgment on you. It's an opportunity for them to say to themselves, you know what, I don't think these Christians are observing Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 4 very well. I don't think that they are doing that very well, and so because of that, I'm going to pass judgment in my heart against them with the anticipation and the expectation that God will also follow up with whatever necessary judgment he believes would be required in order to perhaps inspire and encourage others concerning this, that there is a sense of condemnation that people may express towards others because their personal needs are not being met to their satisfaction. There are many prisoners, for example, who are very lonely. And what I mean by lonely is not that they don't have other prisoners around them that they can have some conversations with or to spend some time with, but that they have no or very little contact with the outside world outside of the facility that they are in. And some prisoners are presently listening to this program, and so I'd like to just mention that directly to you, that there are times when you probably are wondering, where are the Christians out there? Why are they not reaching out to you? That this is an opportunity for you to pass judgment on other Christians, wondering, where are they? Where are they at? Why are they not helping? Especially, especially when you yourself know deep down inside that you really want to know your God and that you do not want to continue to live the life that you had lived previously or do the kinds of things that perhaps got you in the situation where you are in right now, you have already made a decision that you are not going to be the kind of person that you once were. The Lord may perhaps be changing your heart 
already in the early years of your faith, and you may be wondering, well, where are they? They're not fulfilling this. I understand that there's a wonderful opportunity here for you to pass judgment on other people because they are not fulfilling this particular admonition. These are the kinds of concerns that we are faced with right now in the culture that we have right now, in the religious culture and in the society that we are a part of. These are the struggles that people deal with on a regular basis. And when reading through these verses here in Hebrews chapter 13, it's very easy for us to struggle with these things and wonder, how do we deal with these things? How do we address this? How do we ensure that we are being obedient to our God? And how do we ensure that others may perhaps be more obedient to our God, to their God? These are the kinds of issues, and I want you to know that I understand why these struggles exist. The main reason why these struggles exist is because of this last phrase in Hebrews chapter 4 where it says God will judge, and we're wanting to avoid the judgment of God, or as I explained earlier, we may perhaps want God to pass judgment because of the failure that other people are experiencing in failing to assist us when we have personal needs. That's a reality of life. But I want you to know that I personally do not look at this last phrase here, the judgment of God, as being the emphasis of these verses. I really don't. I personally believe that the emphasis is found in verse 1, not found in verse 4. In verse 1, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, it starts out by saying, Let the love of the brethren continue. That's verse 1. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, Let the love of the brethren continue. And the end of verse 4 is that God will judge. God will pass judgment. I believe that the emphasis is to be placed on the love of the brethren, not on God's judgment. Because, see, here's the situation. If you want to place an emphasis on God's judgment, then again, how will you know that you have fulfilled the admonition adequately enough to avoid his judgment? How will you know that? And if he is going to pass judgment, then what that also means is that he holds your sins against you. Obviously, because if you fail in any of these things, then you are going to commit a sin in that context, and he is going to pass judgment against sin, which means that he holds your sins against you. But if he holds your sins against you, then that means he didn't really die for all of your sins, because the wages of sin is death, and if he didn't die for all of your sins, then certainly he still holds your sins against you. And so in this context, we have to decide... Did he die for all of your sins? Did he take away the sins of the world, not just of the world, but also those who are saved? Did he deal with the sin problem completely and entirely, or did he not deal with the sin problem? I, of course, take the position that when Jesus died for the sins of the world, the sins of humanity, all sins, past, present, and future, that he actually did die for all sins, past, present, and future. That's the position that I take because I believe that that is the truth that he has revealed. If that is the truth, then it contradicts the notion that God would still pass judgment for the commission of sins in this regard. That would be a contradiction, an absolute contradiction. And so I don't believe that he is saying this for the purpose of warning you that judgment is forthcoming, that judgment is about to occur. I don't believe that that's why he is saying this. I personally believe that why he says this is only to establish 
to be reminded of the fact that these things are sins, to be aware of that, to be aware that your God is going to do a work in your heart to encourage you to live a life that does not include these sins. He's going to grow you, change you, develop you. He's going to mature you to a point where you are not going to want to commit adultery. You are not going to want to commit fornication. And if there is someone who is being ill-treated and you have an opportunity to reach out to them, then you will have a desire within you because of a change of heart. And if he does do a work in you to the extent where he changes your heart, then you should consider doing that and not look at the situation or the circumstances you may have done before you knew the Lord. You know, before you knew the Lord, perhaps you would commit adultery or fornication if the circumstances were such, that you would feel some sense of confidence that you could get away with it, I suppose. Or if the circumstances were presented to you that somebody had a need for hospitality or they were being ill-treated, they had a need for someone to love them in some way, that before you knew the Lord, you would not consider doing that just because there are other things that you'd rather be doing. But when the Lord changes your heart, when he works within us and he changes our hearts, then we will begin to have a desire to do these things. For the writer to say here in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 that that God will judge these things, that these are things that he considers to be sin, that is true. But it does not mean that he is going to pass judgment against a Christian or even an unbeliever for that matter. It does not necessarily mean that he's going to pass judgment on an individual. I believe that he is saying that these are sins that he has already judged that he has judged in the context that these are definitely sins, and he has also judged them in the context that we are going to have to depend on the forgiveness of God through the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, otherwise we will have nothing to depend on at all. In other words, he's only establishing the context that these are things that we would anticipate a believer would do. And if we don't do these things, then perhaps they could be looked at as sins. And also an unbeliever could be perceived as committing a sin because they do not do these things. But we cannot be directed or motivated on the basis of law or on the basis of fear or on the basis of admonition by saying, just make sure you do these things because that has never worked for any part of anybody's life except in the context of trying to manipulate your life through the energy of your own flesh. And for those of us who've been in Christ for a while, who have been in the Lord for a while, should know very well that that simply is not going to be real whatsoever. Instead, I again believe that the emphasis is to be placed on the first verse where it says, let the love of the brethren continue. In the context of let the love of the brethren continue, this would mean that the love of God is going to be received by the brethren, by his children. And that is going to invoke a change in our hearts as we rest in, trust in, and enjoy the love of God for us. And as we do that, he will work within us in such a way that eventually, at some point, we will have a desire to reach out to those who have need for hospitality. We will have a desire to reach out to those who are imprisoned or ill-treated. We will have a desire to say no to the temptations of life. 
we will have that desire stirred up within us. And for those of you who have been Christians for a reasonable period of time, I suspect you will recognize what I am saying to you. You will recognize that there have been times when you have had a desire to do these things. When you have had a desire to say no to sin, and perhaps it doesn't happen very often, but for those occasions when it has happened, you will recognize the truth of what I am saying, that this is a manifestation of the love of God working in the heart of a believer, in the heart of one of his children. Let that love continue, because if you let that love continue, you will find yourself doing these things. And in context, I would then say that it is okay to say no to adultery and fornication because these are things that he has judged as being evil. And they will be judged as being evil if anybody has any questions for God when they see him. That's what I believe concerning this phrase, God will judge. Certainly he has already judged. But when we go before him in his kingdom after we pass from this life to enter into the next, if there are any questions concerning whether or not you should be saved, if you want to discuss it with him, outside of the judgment that he gives, he can explain this to you and say that he is passing judgment because you have sin, and even though you have been forgiven of those sins, you have not received the free gift of eternal life, you could have not received the free gift of eternal life because you didn't see that you had a need for it. You didn't believe that you had a need for it because you did not believe that you had sin that needed to be forgiven and you did not believe that you were spiritually dead and needed to be resurrected spiritually through the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit, which is the free gift that is now being offered to you, the free gift of his life within you, the life that will remain eternally, the gift of eternal life. If you reject that, then of course the judgment is going to be there but it is going to be a judgment that has already been executed. For you, it may be a new thing, but for the Lord, it won't be. Consider another perspective with regards to this. Another perspective, another way of looking at this is in the context of identity. For example, when he says in verse 4 that fornicators and adulterers God will judge, well, if you are a child of God, You are no longer a fornicator or an adulterer. This is another way of looking at this. You may fall. You may sin. Just because you're a believer does not mean that you will not commit fornication or adultery. It doesn't mean that. I know many believers who have struggled with that and who have actually engaged with that. It's a very unfortunate thing. But the point is that you will not be a fornicator. You will be a child of God who has engaged in some intimate relations outside of the bonds of marriage. That's the issue, is that you are a child of God who has committed a sin, but that does not mean that you are identified with your sin. For example, when Paul wrote his letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, he speaks about this in the context of identity. Beginning in verse 9, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. 
Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the Spirit of our God. In other words, we were one of those things, or maybe some of those things, or maybe all of those things, but we are no longer those things. We are no longer identified in that way because we are now a child of God. And so in that sense, yes, God may perhaps pass judgment in the two ways that I just expressed, depending upon our point of view. However, you will not be a fornicator or an idolater. You will not be identified in that way. And so in that context, we have to look at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, again, not to say that you will be identified as somebody who has a lack of hospitality. You will not be identified in that way in the sense that he will pass judgment against you and send you to hell. That's not what this is about. This is only to establish a frame of reference and say, yes, God wants you to do these things. But in context with verse 1, if you are going to do these things, at least in a way that will be pleasing to him, they will only be done. You will only do these things. These things will only be real in your life if you really want to. And the only way that you will really want to is if he does a work in your heart to change your heart in such a way that you will want to because of who he is to you. And if that's going to happen, it's only going to be because he does it. And with some people, he does that work. And with other people, he doesn't necessarily do that work. He does other works. This is a personal and individual experience that each one of us faces with our God. And so there is no way that we can legitimately pass judgment against each other concerning these things. Not legitimately. Because if he's the one who does the work in our hearts to change our hearts then we should allow him to do that. And if it's not happening, it's not because we are not making people feel guilty enough. It's not happening because they're not being loved by their God. Or it could also be because the Lord is not doing that work in their heart right now. He may do that in the future. He may not. There may be other things that he is doing. Again, this list certainly is not a complete list. And so don't expect him to do all of this or that we would be able to identify one of these things and so that we could pass judgment against somebody else and determine how well they're doing in their Christian life. There's no place for that in any way whatsoever. And so don't get sucked into these kinds of traps that people find themselves being sucked into. Let the love of the brethren continue, which means that the Lord will do a work in your heart he will encourage you to love others. Let that be a reality. You see, when this happens, sometimes people get a little confused. Sometimes people get a little concerned because they may not have had a desire to reach out to other people before, but now all of a sudden they're starting to have this kind of desire and they start to wonder, what do I do with this? What do I do? Well, do not resist. That's the point. Do not resist. Allow him to do that work in your heart. And allow him to direct you in these ways. And if he makes the provision for you to be able to relate to somebody else in one of these ways, then do so. Now concerning those of you who are prisoners and those of you who may be in a situation where you feel you're being ill-treated or you feel you're in a circumstance where you definitely have the need for somebody else to reach out to you and help you. Listen, I understand, I do, I personally understand the pain that you are personally struggling with. And I can tell you that in my own life, in my own life experiences, I have found that an acknowledgement of reality, an acknowledgement of the reality of life, 
can make the burden a little bit easier. First of all, what I mean by that is an acknowledgement that life is hard. Life is very difficult. It's very difficult for people to reach out to you. Believe it or not, it's very difficult. People are struggling a lot, especially these days. People are struggling just to pay their bills. They're struggling to maintain their own individual lives. They're struggling to maintain their relationships and their responsibilities. It's a real struggle right now. And they also have a need to rest. And so even though they may not be doing other things, they also need to be able to rest in order to be prepared to continue to do those things. And so there are many people who just simply do not have the time. And I know that might be difficult for you to see on occasion because you may have lots of time. But that doesn't mean that everybody else does. It's a real obstacle. I myself struggle with this today because I do have people who contact me often asking for me in various ways to provide them with some sense of hospitality or what have you. And personally, I would really like to do a lot more than what I do. I certainly would like to do that. But I struggle quite often with the responsibilities that I have and the fact that I do not have enough hours in a day in order to do a lot of the things that I need to do. And it is not uncommon for me to leave many things undone just because I don't have enough hours in the day in order to accomplish everything. And because of that, people suffer. My wife suffers. My children suffer. This is a reality of life, and we have to make choices concerning what we are going to do and what we are not going to do. And so instead of passing judgment against other people for what they do not do, you should be thankful for what other people are able to do in light of the circumstances of life. That's the only way that we can deal with these kinds of issues, and you must look at the Lord and be thankful for all that you have for what he has given to you, and for the things that he's able to do within and through other people, regardless of how small those things can be. Instead of passing judgment, you must be thankful for what you have. And if you can do that, if you can do that, you will find yourself being set free from the burdens and the pains that you are experiencing in passing judgment against other people for their failures. And this freedom will give you a greater sense of peace and rest in the circumstances you're in. And for those of you who are Christians, the Lord will do a work in your life. Please understand that if you have no desire for these things, the answer is not going to be found in the fear of the judgment of God. It just means that you need to be loved by your God more. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net